0: God, we thank you for this passage from Joel and we thank you for the wisdom that we find in it. We ask that your spirit would reveal to us what this means for us, that we would be able to learn from your word and to be encouraged in our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I really appreciate about living in Canada is the fact that we have democracy. Democracy, we, we just get used to it. And sometimes it's when we talk to someone who's perhaps from a, a country that doesn't experience democracy in the same way, uh, it's not until then that we truly appreciate uh, the freedom we have. Democracy uh, literally means rule uh, by the people. Now, it, it's not really rule, but we all have a say in it. We have the ability to, to vote for our leaders, that when there is a leader uh, that we don't like, that we can uh, use the rights that we have to vote that person out and to put someone else in. And that's a, a tremendous right that we have. However, as we celebrate the, the blessing of democracy, we have to realize that that definition of who the people are who are participating in that process has changed. That definition has changed over the years. Uh, do you realize that it's only been a hundred years since women have been, had the right to vote? That the, the people, the rule of the people, were considered to be the men and not the women. That's only been a hundred years. Did you know in Canada that it was only 1960 when First Nations people were allowed to vote? 1960. Many of you remember 1960. Uh, Can you imagine that uh, for so long, uh, people of First Nations were not allowed to vote in Canada. Unfortunately, this is a part of the democratic tradition. Uh, democracy was was basically uh, invented in ancient Athens in Greece, and uh, people look to the uh, the invention of of democracy back then and think, "Wow, that was great. you know they were so ahead of their time to be thinking of democracy, but they had a very specific definition of who the people were who could participate in this process. And again, it was all men uh, who were allowed. You had to be a a free man, and you also had to be a man who was born uh, in that city. So even someone as great as Aristotle could never participate in the politics of Athens, even though he lived there for so long, because he was always looked at as a foreigner, and you also had to own land as well. There was all kinds of things there. So the the actual percentage of people, of the people, who were allowed to participate in democracy was very small. Now, why am I bringing this up? You didn't come here for a history lesson. Why do we even want to talk about this? Well, I want to talk about this in the sense of our participation in what God does. That there is a way in which there is democracy. Again, not the rule of the people, but the participation of the people. But that has looked different over the centuries. When we go to the Old Testament, we see there was definitely a hierarchy. That uh, of the twelve tribes of Israel, there was one tribe, the tribe of Levi, that had the rights to participate in the ministry within the temple. And of that tribe of Levi, there was one family, the descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses, who were allowed to be the priests who would offer the sacrifices. And there was also other hierarchies going on. There was only certain people who were the prophets. We have a relatively small group of people over the centuries who were considered to be prophets who could speak authoritatively for God. Even the, the building of the temple uh, demonstrated that there was this hierarchy. On, on the, uh, the farthest part away from the Holy of Holies, you had the, the court of the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and they were only allowed to go up to a certain place. And there was a wall and there was a sign saying, if they go beyond this point, it is the death penalty. And then the next section would be for Jewish women. Jewish women were uh, allowed to go a little bit farther than the Gentiles. And then the next section would be for the Jewish men, because they were considered to be holier than the Jewish women, so they could get a little bit closer. And then the Levites could get a little bit closer. And then the priests could get a little bit closer. And then there was one spot that only the high priest could go into. And so you can see, everything was about differentiating uh, who people were. Now, I am not saying that to to criticize Israel. Uh, They were following the rules that they had and the guidance that God had given them. And we now live in a different era. So it's not about saying that the church is better. But the church, ideally should be a place where there isn't this hierarchy, where we're not saying that there are certain people who can participate more than those others. There is actually a very clear definition of of who is in and who gets to participate in the work of God. And that definition is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit chooses who gets to do that. If the person receives the Holy Spirit, that is demonstration that they are participating in God's work. And Joel is going to give us some really helpful understanding of what that looks like. So, Joel is a part of what's called the Minor Prophets. Now, Minor Prophets doesn't mean uh, that uh, they are unimportant. In fact, the, the Minor Prophets are quite deep. Minor Prophets deep. See, it's Father's Day, so I felt like I had to do a dad joke there. It, it failed miserably, but that's you know, it's Father's Day, and that's my right, uh, my democratic right to be able to to do that. So the minor prophets. The reason why they're called that is there's this group of twelve prophets who are smaller in length compared to the uh, what's called the major prophets, which are uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Those those books are much bigger, and uh, these uh, other uh, 12 are smaller. In fact, when you add them all up, they end up being about the same size as those major prophets. And so there's all kinds of great things in the minor prophets. We're going to be spending uh next uh, number of weeks uh, going through the minor prophets. There's incredible stuff here. But Jewel, in his prophecy here, gives a very radical prophecy. It is really amazing what he says here. So the, the first part of it that's radical is that the Holy Spirit would be poured out more generally. So at this point, it is the prophets who are receiving the Holy Spirit. There's a a few cases in the Old Testament where, uh, like a carpenter or someone else working on the the temple receives the Holy Spirit. But in general, it is a pretty small group of men who are prophets. Uh, There are a few women who who, uh, receive the Holy Spirit as prophetesses as well, but not very many. And... He is saying that it's going to go beyond that. So that's radical by itself. But he doesn't leave it there. He specifies who it is that is going to receive the Holy Spirit. It's going to be men and women. It's going to be old and young. It's going to be rich and poor. What he's saying there is that all of the barriers are just going to be completely torn down. That's what he's pointing to. That there is a time coming when all of that is going to be broken that uh, there's going to be no hierarchy. You're not going to say, wait a minute, you belong to the wrong class of people. You are the wrong gender. You don't have enough money. None of those things are going to matter. That the Holy Spirit is going to come upon all and they will be included. Joel, as he's doing this, is looking both back and forward. He's looking back to an event that took place back in Numbers chapter 11. And what was happening there, that, this is during the time of Moses. And uh, what is happening is there's a, a couple of uh, guys who uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they begin to prophesy. And Joshua is Moses's right-hand man and he really is loyal to Moses. Loyal to a fault. And he is upset that these guys are prophesying because Moses is the prophet. He is the great prophet. And Joshua just wants to he wants all the glory to go to Moses, and so it really bothers him that these two fellows are prophesying by the power of the Spirit. And Moses says to him, like, don't don't be jealous on my account. Like, don't think about this. I want to see this happen. This is great. I, I wish there was uh, all of the people would receive the Holy Spirit and all the people would begin to prophesy. And Moses's wish is exactly what Joel is talking about. But this is not just some kind of mysterious prophecy that will happen in the unknown future. It actually has a fulfillment. And the fulfillment is in Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2 takes place uh, after the death of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus now has ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon them, that they were not to leave Jerusalem because the, the Spirit was about to come. And there were uh, Jewish people from all over uh, the world, the, the Roman world and, and elsewhere, uh, people who had moved away to different places and now have come back to Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost, which is a, a Jewish festival. And so there they are to, to celebrate. And the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them and brings them all together and unites them. And this is really the birth Of the church. It's an incredible day. This is why many churches celebrate Pentecost Sunday, which just happened to have been uh, last Sunday, but it is so important for us. But what is really interesting about it is that the church has fought against this. We actually see in the rest of Acts this ongoing battle. We find that something similar to Pentecost happens with the Samaritans because the Jewish Christians are not ready to accept the Samaritans. There's ethnic hatred between the uh, the Jews and the Samaritans, and they don't want the Samaritans in, but God pours out his spirit to say, you know what, I don't care about your ethnic hatred. I have accepted these people, and they are in whether you like it or not. And so they are forced to, to welcome them in. And then God repeats it again with the Gentiles, with the non-Jews, people like you and me, uh, we are brought in, that uh, Peter goes to Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit comes out upon them. And, and Peter actually has to go to Jerusalem and to answer for this. And they're saying, wait, wait a minute, what are you doing uh, baptizing Gentiles, uh, you can't do that. And Peter's saying, well, listen, you can have whatever opinion you want, but the Holy Spirit came upon them, so if you have a problem with this, you need to take it up with God, not take it up with me. And that kind of shut them up, because what are you going to do? You can't fight against God. And throughout church history, we've had uh, the church, again, fighting against this, because there's a sense of Uh, Wouldn't it be great if we were just all alike and if we could have just this elite group that we could gather together and say, aren't we better than everyone else? But that's not God's plan. He does not want that. God is generous with his Holy Spirit. So the, the question I have to ask is, what does this mean for us? How does this affect us today, right now, in 21st century Canada? How does that affect us? Well when we look at this, we might think, well, okay, uh, if this has happened, if this has already taken place, uh, then we should be having lots of prophecies going on and uh, we should have lots of dreams and visions and so on. And uh, we we could talk about that. And, you know, there's a, uh, I actually had a dream once that really felt to me like it was prophetic, like God was preparing me for something that was coming on, it was such a clear dream. Uh, I can't prove it, but you know, I believe that God speaks in that way. But the thing we have to realize that prophecy in the Old Testament most often was not about predicting the future. It wasn't about saying on this uh, date this is going to happen. Uh, that's not usually what happened. Prophecy in the Old Testament most of the time was saying our God is a holy God, and we are not following him the way that we are supposed to. So we need to get our act together and come back to God in obedience. That's the general message of the prophets. And the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. So it doesn't have to be flashy and this uh, weird thing going on. Uh, It can be something very, very simple. But the focus of what Joel is going on about here is not so much what they will do, But who will do it? That's really the radical part of it. Who was going to be involved in this? Who was going to receive the Spirit? Who was going to prophesy? And we've already said that it's about men and women, old and young. It's about rich and poor, all together prophesying. Now, the fact is, we all have our preferences. We all have uh, an idea of the kind of people that we feel comfortable with, and so on. Uh, If... Uh, God gave each one of us a card uh, and said, I want you to write down the description of the kind of person you would like him to bring to the church. We would have probably some very specific kind of, of requests of what we would want. Uh, and yet that might not be exactly what God wants. This prophecy is a reminder that the Spirit chooses people of all backgrounds, and it's not our job to say you don't belong because you belong you are a part of the wrong category uh, god by the power of his spirit has removed those things those things are gone it doesn't matter if we are men and women and yet again we will see in uh, in churches all over uh, the world where people will put limitations and say, well, uh, you know, uh, this kind of person is is second rate. We're going to put them over here. They can't really serve in the same way as other people. The Holy Spirit has been given to all, and it is an amazing thing. I, I need to say one of the things that I absolutely love about this church is the diversity that we have here. And it, it probably seems like I go on and on about this, but it's because what happens here is not normal. <laughs> not nor- It is normal for the kingdom of God, but it is not normal for Western church, for us to have what we have uh there is an amazing diversity in terms of ages uh that is found here uh there is an amazing diversity uh among uh among the genders there is amazing diversity within ethnic groups uh and cultures there's amazing diversity when it comes to ability uh it's just all over the place there is diversity this is what god is is doing in this place. And I have mentioned before that there are huge churches uh, all over the world who are trying to have what we have in our little Queen Street Baptist Church here. This is the goal that many people have. That's not to say we are perfect. We have a long way to go in a lot of areas, but we are on the right track. And the great thing about it is, it's all the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in us. He has poured out upon people of all backgrounds, and we recognize the Spirit. And we are not trying to be uh, afraid of people who are different, but just welcoming those who the, the Spirit brings together. When when we do weddings, there's a a passage from the gospel that uh, is often read at these weddings. And it's a passage where where Jesus is talking specifically about marriage. And in that, Jesus says, uh, What God has joined together, let no person tear apart. And that's specifically about weddings, right? It's supposed to be about a marriage. If God joins a, a man and woman in marriage then we are uh humans should not break that apart. But that could also be said about the church. If God has brought us together by the power of the Spirit, pouring out his Spirit upon diverse people, upon the, the men and the women, upon the rich and the poor, upon uh, the old and the young, then we need to recognize that. And not just tolerate it, but celebrate, to celebrate our diversity and say, this is amazing, this is a beautiful thing. Barriers have come down. Now, I understand, I've been to enough churches to know that there is a regular impulse to rebuild those barriers, to feel superior in some way by saying that this group is in and this group is out. But that is not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say, look to what the Holy Spirit is doing Those who have the Spirit are a part of the people of God. They have been adopted as sons and daughters, and because of that, we can celebrate. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being present here with us. We thank you for your presence in the church ever since the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, and that because of that, your presence within us. We are one. It doesn't matter how different we might be on the outside. We have the same spirit within us, and that makes us one. We pray that you would help us to have your strength, your wisdom, and that we would be filled with your power as we live out our faith. In Christ's name, amen.